Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Hey everyone, it is me. We are here. Uh, we Joseph is here too. Say hi, Joseph. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. We're recording. Good morning, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I am recording this on the computer now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Boom. All right. It says it's recording. Boom. 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 I am apparently recording. The entire bottle of control. They're all exactly the same. Crypto art. And then what it really is, is an NFT. Wow. How do you want to slap the bag? So this is the next best thing. DeFi is going to be a bubble. It's provably scarce. With Mad Dog. Crypto, gold, and silver. Transparent substance. Take my money, start a war with it. Without further ado. Cheers to you, brother. Get shit done. Because the system has to collapse before that. Cheers, I feel much better now. Cheers. <laughs> wow, that was heavy. Boom, here we go. Welcome to Blockchain Booze uh, number 95. We're 95 weeks straight, nonstop. Uh, I'm pretty stoked on that. Uh, more, more on that in one sec. But first off, thanks to our streaming partners. We're streaming on Lunar Crush and then reshared later by blockchain radio um i'm stoked because this is the uh the first time we've got scott melker on the wolf of all streets welcome scott thank you guys i've got the uh the logo draper gordon helm right here so i guess you guys hired me there we go. thank you thank you nice <laughs> at least on my screen nice. i do i don't know if it's actually that way I yeah it's, it's there i was trying to see if i awesome. could like uh change it to something else really no, quick keep it joke, there but... keep it there i feel much more official now well, we could go uh <laughs> I can throw, uh, I can make it like, we could throw Jason the ape on there and make it weird. Um, or, uh, or. He's standing uh, on your head, John. Our, oh, wait. Quite the bong. Wow. Well, here what we got that? uh board Shinoda. That's uh, that one Mike, Mike Shinoda's MPC. Yeah. And uh, this is my, my, my man, Punk Ape Strong. But. Uh, man, that's awesome. I like that tat on the fingers there. The L-U-N-O. Oh, that's, yes. that's pretty um, cool. You know, he. He has great taste, uh, and he likes <laughs> to, and he's blocking your face, John, which makes it even funnier. Um, you could just leave that up the whole time. That's perfect. <laughs> start doing that just randomly. Uh, just throw stuff in front of your face. Uh, okay, and we have John Farjo from Lunar Crush uh, on again. Uh, my my wingman for the evening and. Uh, pretty much every other day when I want to talk crypto. Um, so welcome, guys. I'm, I'm really excited for, for today. There's a lot of things happening. I see a bunch of people in the chat, so it's a good reminder to uh, for those who are joining us on Lunar Crush uh, Twitter account or on our YouTube channels or on LinkedIn or Facebook, wherever the heck you're watching, if you go to meet.blockchainbooze.io, you can hang with the community backstage. You'll be able to ask questions to Scott and John later in the stream and you'll be able to turn on your camera and your microphone and hang with everybody after we're done uh 
talking. So, but guys, I, I, Scott, it's your first time. I'd love for you to give everyone your background, say hello, and uh, and and um, also, you know, give plugs to your your podcast and everything. We'll have time for that at the end again. But 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 first, give us your background. I know a lot of uh, our community follows you on Twitter and stuff, but would love to hear. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I think, you know, I think a lot of people obviously know me from Twitter and from the podcast and from uh, the name, The Wolf of All Streets, which literally was just a joke that I put up once and stuck and could never uh, seem to take down and became uh, a bit of a brand. But, uh, you know, my my background was not really in, in finance. I was always a trader, but, uh, you know, I, was, I grew up in a small town in Florida, uh, made my way to the University of Pennsylvania, and that's where I got a bit interested in trading, although I bought my first stock when I was 13 years old. Uh, so I like to joke that I've been trading for 30 years uh, <laughs> um, to, to some degree. But, uh, you know, I went to I went to the University of Pennsylvania and decided instead of taking a job on Wall Street to become a DJ. And that's what I did basically for 20 years. I produced music uh, and DJ. And then I got old, you know, um, and I got old and I had kids and I became less relevant. And really, you know, as much as I like to pretend that I chose uh, to quit DJing, DJing sort of chose to quit me as life uh, as life progressed. You know, I think. Uh, I had kids, didn't want to be on the road, uh, and it sort of snowballed. But the one thing I could always do that I always did on the side was trade, right? And so I found crypto in 2016, right when I was making that transition, and it was just perfect timing. I got very lucky, right? And I and I like to joke, I came for dollars, you know? Like, I was trading stocks, I was trading Forex, I was trading options, and, and there was, like, this sort of bubbling about crypto in the, in the DJ community, but it was largely because it was like, holy shit, you got to go buy these ripples and the Ethereum's, you know, like everything plural. Um, and uh, and because uh, you'll make so you'll, you'll make 100x on your money right away. So I was there. I was charting and I was all about, you know, trading. And I just like everyone else, I was a genius in this brand new bull market. Um, and then the winter hit, you know, and I, I luckily had done pretty well. I, I had learned to take profit before crypto, fortunately. Um, but still, you know, I rode that wave down with everyone else. And I think that's when I really dug into what I was trading, right? So it was kind of like late 2000, early 2017, early 2018, before I really cared deeply beyond uh, just sort of the trader mentality. Yeah. And then I think, you know, just like everyone else, you, you eventually get fed up with the nonsense that you see and it becomes more and more important and the, the red pill, uh, you know, digests and here we are, you know? And so for whatever reason, I went from talking to my Twitter audience about music to alienating them completely and losing their attention and just talking about this random crypto stuff one day. And, uh, you know, it sort of built from there. Uh, and, you know, allowed me to have the podcast and, and my YouTube channel. And at this point, you know, man, I'm just having fun. You know, I really like, I do it because I love it. I definitely don't need to. It's just really awesome. Like I love podcasting, doing exactly what we're doing right now. Right. I mean, for me, I get to like call someone Lon, you're, you, you, you've been there, you yeah. know, you're one of those people. It's like, it's like free college. It's not only it like free college from mm -hmm. the best professors in the world on the best top on the topic that they're like individually incredibly knowledgeable at. It's amazing. And and the thing is, there this doesn't exist in college at, in a meaningful way at all anywhere. So you couldn't learn this industry in college as well as you could on the internet. Like yeah, bef for sure. Before it used to be this thing like you don't need to go to college. There's all this stuff on the internet, but still like 
you, you're not going to learn like AI on the internet the way you would if you like went to Carnegie Mellon or something, right? But like, yeah. you're not going to learn crypto better anywhere else than hanging out on Twitter and on YouTube and on the internet. Just, you know, it's yeah. the greatest thing in the world. I, I think that, uh, I mean, totally separate topic, but the, with the velocity of technology and the way that people are starting to engage and learn, I think that college will probably be a thing of the past by the time our children are even ready to go. You know, I don't think, I don't see, unless you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer and you have a direct path and you're a pre-professional and need to do it to get to grad school, I don't see why any 18-year-old uh, who's probably made millions uh, playing some online game we've never even heard of for money by the time they're 18 is going to go to school, right? Yeah, why? It's going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's uh, such a, a, a timely topic for me because I've got, I got a son that's a junior in high school. And we have these conversations all the time. Like, what what is actually going to make sense? And then I got my 14-year-old that's learning uh, about various different blockchains to build smart contracts on and building his own dApps and and learning all that. And I, he's in eighth grade. Yeah. And I'm like, it's incredible. What is his, yeah, my kids what his future look like? Two. My kids yeah. are six and two, so they're still clueless. I, I, you know, I joke they'll never drive and they'll never go to college. You know, I, I, I think that those will long be things of the past. In fact, they'll probably be gaming while the car is driving them to wherever they're going. And <laughs> right, right. Than most people, you know. My my they'll son does want to go car. places with me now because of the video games in my car. Um, so <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty insane. Um, I've got so many thoughts on this uh, on this train, but let's quickly, John. Can you give us the Lunar Crush update? Um, I know the the community. Most of the community is deep into Lunar Crush, uh, almost as much as I am. Uh, give us the update. What's new? I just saw an email that said something about like one and a half billion page views or something. So that was. It's even accelerated pa uh, past <laughs> that. So we're. Uh, probably tomorrow, I would say, you know, that was probably a rolling 30-day average that we saw in December. Um, we're going to eclipse 2 billion page views this month. Holy so, shit. And, and we've gone from, um, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable sharing some of these numbers. It's fine. So we've gone from about 175,000 uh, users when we, yeah. when we launched uh, in October. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to break 2.6 million. So That's amazing. It, it's it's an interesting thing to um, like from my perspective. I mean, I've been in crypto since 2013. I, I was an investor. I, I traded stocks for a decade before that, and I was into baseball cards before that. We've had that conversation before, and it's <laughs> I, like I, me too. It, and it's and it's funny now to see the baseball card mechanics really come back with NFTs. There's so many similarities, but you can actually yeah. sell your NFTs as opposed yeah. to your baseball cards. So what's crazy um, is I went I went down this rabbit hole literally yesterday, and I remembered all these comic books that I still have at my parents' house, but I haven't like gone in and gone through them. But I saw some NFT project. And I went, "Holy crap!" And I like called my son over and I started googling. I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, well, we're all about the same age. Sometime when we were in junior high, I think, Marvel and DC did a series of comic books called Amalgam Comics, which was yeah. supposed to be like an am amalgamation. Uh, yeah. It was like Spider Boy, and it was like a Wolverine and Batman were like the same character. It was just weird shit. Like, it, I don't think it ever took off because it was confusing as hell and, and everyone was pissed. But um, but like it, I saw some, I was talking about NFT collaborations and that's what came into my head. And I was just like, holy crap. 
Um, and it's the it's the same game. It's just digital. Yeah, it, I, it, I was it a is. huge baseball card collector, like huge. It was my entire existence as a child. You know, that's all I cared about. My dad and I, we did it together. And I started in the 80s, right? And so, yeah, I learned, yep. a, uh, yep. I learned a very quick lesson about supply and demand after that when they printed them into oblivion and uh, nothing from the 80s was worth anything, right? And so actually, like maybe seven or eight years ago, I went and took I mean, literally like two trunks full of unopened, like 87 Donruss and 86 tops, black packs <laughs> and stuff to a baseball card store. And I was like, you know, how much will you give me for these? I got to clean out my parents' case. And they were like, I will pay you to take these out front and light them on fire. Like these are not even worth as much as the cardboard that they're, and I, I have some amazing cards and like, you know, autographs and stuff. But the bulk of my collection were things that I bought at the time because I was never going to open them and they were going to be worth so much money and I was going to pay for retirement and they literally weren't worth like anything. Yeah, yeah we had, I think my brothers were into the baseball cards and the, um, and basketball cards. I got into comic books and comic book cards and even Magic the Gathering right when it started around the time I was in junior high. And um, my brothers still have like some of those unopened boxes of tops in the pack still with like the, you know, rock hard sticks of gum. Yeah, they're going to be lighting those on fire. Yeah, yeah, there's like true. acid, or... like the, the card, the ink's worn out underneath right. the gun. There's like a, <laughs> and that'll like be a the one good rectangle. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's the King Griffey Jr. Or... make money by like taking wagers as to if we'll get sick by eating that gum or something. And like having the answer is some, yes. Uh, don't it's do it a display item right like i need to yeah. go get it so i can hit, put it in the office or something but wow. Yeah. wow so john your son uh your son getting into the smart contract stuff in eighth grade um is he working on something ridiculous does he have crazy ideas because my kids are, are way younger than yours but i was so proud of my son when he's like can we get me poopoo.eth and it was available like a year ago or whenever that was um does your son have any cool ideas? Yeah, his things, I'm just trying to keep them legal at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, there's tax implications with trading. And you know that like, if you like create your own coin, it's like, there's like a legal aspect to that. And like, you know, trying to keep them, uh, you know, above, out of jail, basically. Um, and and um, he's got good ideas. He wants to like, but he wants to like scrape websites and like pull data out and things like that, which is again, <laughs> he marginally. Everything we did when we discovered the internet. It, it to me, I look at it though, and it's all it's all like experimentation. It's all trying to just try stuff. Like, how do I create a smart contract? How do I connect MetaMask? How do I do all that? And then, you know, I, I just look at it like it's really what Scott said that you can't read a book on doing that. You can't go to school and be assigned homework to do that. You have to try it. Your idea might suck, and your and your next idea might suck, and then you might have a really good one. And yeah. and I think to know those mechanics at an early age, it just it, it's just I'm impressed and he's not alone. There's a lot of young, young individuals out there that are growing up with crypto. You know, like we, it wasn't long ago. I remember I was in college and the, the, the computer lab had computers in it, in the, in the basement of the library. And I was so excited. I used to go there all the time because they had, you know, Netscape and all this and like, and, yeah. and like uh, mosaic or whatever. And, and now I'm like, you know, and then, then we went through this generation of like, oh yeah, they, they, they don't know life without a cell phone. And now there's a generation, they don't know life without crypto. And I, to me, it's just fascinating. And, you know, I like, like it's, it's such an estate of flux, how this is all going to be used. 
Um, I mean, it's on my mind because we we met with uh, City Coins this morning that has Miami Coin this, and yeah. um, in New York NYC Coin, and we were talking to them, and it just like it it just struck me. I'm like, man, like the whole world's getting disrupted. Like it's it's so crazy. Like every aspect of it, down to the city level, you start to dive into it, and you realize what a huge deal it is and how early it is. Um, and I kind of feel the same way with like the youth getting into crypto. Super important, super exciting. I can't even imagine what they're going to dream up. So just it's, a, it's such an awesome time to see that. Yeah, it's I mean, the idea, the thing that's crazy is like I, I by the way, everybody who's watching um, that submitted your ETH address in signing up for blockchain booze at some point got a uh, shit. Do I have a picture of it somewhere on here? Uh, you got the the hat that this, uh, this dance in Decentraland <laughs> person is wearing. So you all, you guys all got punk ape strong's board, a hardcore hat. Um, and um, I show my kids Decentraland and they literally like slap my hands away from the keyboard and try to like take over because to them, it's just like Roblox. It's just like, um, uh, you know, um, all the other ones and they literally um they they literally yeah <laughs> and somebody said yeah i was wondering where that came from in my wallet um Kristen, you can get a real hat i got 10 of these real ones i should be wearing one i usually am wearing a hat but um uh anyway um I like the, the shirt alone that's pretty good dude that's awesome. oh my bad religion very, my very against nice. the grain shirt. Nice. this is my favorite um bad religion album of all time and this is was on the back of the album and i love it and I also love that people use corn for Bitcoin. And so yeah. the second that started happening, it made me even happier because I posted something with a bunch of uh, corn emojis and then an arrow pointing against it and a bunch of corn emojis. Everyone was like, Bitcoin up into the right or something like that. And my brother, who's a huge Bad Religion fan too, responded with Against the Grain. because <laughs> That's the name of the Bad Religion album. Yeah. And it made me so happy. Uh, so... Uh, but but yes, best best album of all time, uh, I would say. Mm. Not just Bad Religion album, but we're going to, uh, we can get into arguments. Bold. Be fun. Bold. 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 Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, it's these kids, like, it's second nature to them. I, I was, you know, the greatest thing that happened out of quarantine and all the craziness is spending all of the crazy amounts of time with my kids and the creativity and we would do uh, art and do all this stuff. And they got into NFTs and mostly because of the collector's stuff, but like the game part of it is where it's gonna turn it up to a whole new level. Like my son, um, one day after school, he's like, I forgot from last weekend, which made me know he was sneaking Roblox during school somehow. Um, <laughs> he's like, I forgot to tell you from last weekend, I remember reading that one of my Roblox games is making NFTs that you can get. And I was like, what? So we started looking it up and these NFTs were selling for thousands and thousands of dollars. But what was crazy though, on top of it, which is an interesting lesson to be learned, all the mainstream people playing this Roblox game were pissed uh, at least not everyone, but a huge chunk of the people on Twitter were pissed off that they did NFTs because they're like, NFTs are bad for the environment. What are you doing? This is bad. Crypto is My bad. God. Our children are not criminals. Don't bring NFTs into this. But it was this interesting kind of lesson learned by the developer of that game. But it was also one of the coolest things I'd seen anybody do. And my son was like mad at me that I wasn't going to spend like five ETH on this, <laughs> this NFT for him. And he's like, I have ETH. I'm going to use my ETH. And like, we had to have an argument. 
It's so interesting though. I mean, like think of, think of, you know, people growing up today in this, they will think it's absolutely stupid to pay to play a game and get nothing back for it. Like we're, we grew up, you know, like I'm, I'm the street fighter too, like type of kid, right? I would go and sit and play street fighter all day. I would have, I would literally walk into the bank and get rolls of quarters because I didn't have enough quarters yeah. and, and like hours and hours and Scott, and we need, we need to have a tournament here then. So, so like, Ooh, that would be awesome. Ryan and Ken. Uh, All right, yeah. let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but, but like, now imagine kids that do nothing but play hours and hours of video games where they're actually earning and that gets, tra- they grow up and that gets translated to absolutely everything they're going to do. Everything is going to have that same model in their head and that's what they're going to build. And that's what the world looks like in the future. No doubt. It's just, you know, it, it, if you're not playing in this, so like this is why it's also an interesting day to have this discussion because look at Microsoft buying Activision for seventy billion dollars, and and you Holy start shit, to go, I didn't what? even see that today. I've eighty, been, uh, yeah, I think eighty something. 80 yeah, it's absolutely insane. They paid forty five percent over uh, current stock price per share. Unbelievable, wow. unbelievable. Makes Microsoft, yeah. I think, the third largest gaming company in the world. Yeah. And But think about that, like we talk about growing up and going through all of the iterations of gaming and well, we didn't talk about it yet, but I'm saying I'm bringing it going back to the, the beginnings of you having computers in college and things like that. When Microsoft got into gaming, everyone thought it was stupid, like at least because we were all like Microsoft is the old school, it's computer software, it's whatever. And now they're they're one of the biggest gaming companies in the right. world, right? But Xbox like, and buy Activision, it's rat. Yeah. Insanity. Insanity. Um, Alex Parsons is reading says Double Dragon. I had oh, Double oh, Dragon yeah. on, oh, yeah. uh, on Nintendo. Nintendo. I don't remember that yeah. at a uh, at arcades, but he said no, uh, Double Dragon was not Nintendo. That game was badass, man. Yeah, see, like I yeah. literally I mean, I don't know how old exactly you guys are. I'm 45, but like I was the younger sibling. So my dad and my older brother, like we were playing like Pong on the first Atari. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had the first, mm-hmm. you know, I had a Commodore 64 and used to like play uh, RBI baseball on there. And And man, what was that? It was like this chess game where you were like these dragons and stuff. I can't. Yeah, there were there were so some chess games. We had a pit and like Shinobi so was, was that one. Like uh, yeah, that was a sick. But yeah, I mean like this original uh, game with karate was so sick. Now I can't remember the name of anything, but yeah, I mean I, from the very first days of computer games and home gaming. Yeah, so I was the youngest of three boys, and my uncle was in computers and bought us a computer. Um, and it was like the craziest thing. And I would look at my, watch my brothers play. Um, but we had a, uh, a pitfall game and we had a bunch of games for this old school Atari standalone computer. One of the games was pitfall on a cassette tape and it would read the cassette tape. It would be like, and it would be running for like 30 seconds. Then it would stop. You'd get to play like half a level of the game. Then the game would pause and you'd hear like the tape moving to, to let you play like the level. It was crazy. Pitfall was epic, man. It was. Load it runner. Was. Oh man. <laughs> so so guys, I wanna uh we, we should we should dive into a lot of this stuff, but I'd like to um John, well both both of you guys follow the markets much more closely from a trading perspective than I do. Um I'd love to uh hear maybe what's the the more exciting things going on this week or some of the things you guys are looking at. Um John, yeah, right, I mean, John. There, 
I know you said you just so, came out of a five-hour meeting. Yeah. It was, it was so all the talk about tokens. Sure, sure. It, it, it's it's been a really interesting year so far. Um, it, it's it's like a super polar day every day in in a strange way. Um, Eighteen days in. Yeah, and and, and I, I think there's some pretty big like interesting things that we're seeing. Like there's some some layer ones are are really looking like they're starting to stand out already. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like. Like when you look at the market falling and, and, you know, Bitcoin not really being all that great the last 18 days, um, you know, we're still seeing a lot of action. Like, you know, some things like like Phantom, for example, like Phantom's done like I'm and I'm, again, I'm not looking at things only from like a price perspective. I'm looking at things from like community growth. And we're yeah. seeing that, like, there's a lot of activity happening on Phantom. Um, Terra, I throw Terra in that as well. Algorand, uh, Stacks, and Stacks even got listed on, on Coinbase today, which is, or tomorrow, I think they list. It's interesting, but wow. a lot of chatter about Cardano. It's, it's probably yeah. because like, they were recently on blockchain and booze. Like, I'm not saying it it's be. for sure, but probably. Correlate, causation, um, correlation. <laughs> but it, it, it's, you know, to relate to all this, the other, I guess, trend that we're seeing around all these layer ones is like, it, it's almost like, um, like it, it hit me, I think it was like Anthony with Scaramucci, he, he like, it was a few years ago, he put, he put like a quarter billion dollars into Bitcoin or something huge. I don't remember the number. And then now just this week, he's putting 250 million into Algorand and calls it the next Google. And, and like on the flip side of that, you're seeing the funds that these layer ones have, these, these vent, like these venture arms that they have. It, it's just mind blowing. Like, yeah. you know, like, F, like and even not even layer ones, even some of these exchanges, like FTX has a $2 billion fund. Um, I know Binance Smart Chain, it was like all but a month ago, they announced a billion dollar fund. Um, this much money going into the ecosystem around all of these exchanges and layer ones, and, and they're all kind of working on the same deals, if you think about it. it, it it's sort of like, it to me, it, you know, it makes me like not even really want to think about what the market's doing today, because when you see that much money pouring in, the real market's not even built yet. Like, like there's a whole leg. If you think about that funding, right? Like all this funding gets into these, these startups. Some of them are actually, I mean, there's, these are big valuations. Like there was one on, um, what was it on Solana? Um, where was it on here? I'm going to find it. There's a report thing on here. I saw earlier. Um, oh, where'd you go? Metaplex. So, so Metaplex on Solana that mints NFTs. They raised $46 million just like that big valuation. And, and so the money that's coming in, the valuations that are there, but the teams that they're going to be building, uh, like you just got to think six to 12 months from now, you can imagine how many new amazing things are going to be out there. Well, on top, on so, top of, on top of all of that, how many uh, engineers and employees and people are they training into this space? Right? Like I, I remember LA was not known as like a startup hub or a tech hub at any kind of point until MySpace, right? And I got sort of lucky that I got a job at MySpace as like low man on the totem pole at the very beginning after they were acquired by Fox, but literally they were hiring engineers and people from around the world to come to LA to work on their stuff. And then two years later, when I had snuck out of there and I was starting my own company, I was working somewhere else, every startup meetup, every pitch competition I was at, every single thing if you met a new startup company in LA, 
at least one of the two or three founders were employees of MySpace. And it's like, it's like, so this is the decentralized global version of like bringing everyone into our industry. Cause it doesn't matter where you are anymore. It's just that like, you know, think about, I think we, we did the numbers, right. The last, uh, last October when we had LA blockchain summit, it was the, the crypt, the number of people discussing crypto on the internet, um, had gone up by 30 X between that time and the previous, uh, uh sure. LA blockchain summit. So now what happens between now and, and next October? It's mind-blowing with the amount of money coming to the space, hiring people, training people, and uh, and then all of like the natural growth of gaming and things like that, like you're talking about. Like people made hundreds of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars playing Splinterlands and Gods Unchained and things like that, playing the games. It's wild. And think about that. That was like, I mean, this last year was like really wave one of nfts if you think about it right i mean like sure there was things there before and and those will become probably ultra valuable over time because those don't dismiss like, crypto kitties you know, bro i know right, right? it's the og nfts there i mean it makes sense but, but to, to to your point right. and what you're like, saying you just asked now, me now you've for, got go ahead, sorry go ahead scott i was gonna say is to say what, what, no, you're what, what's so interesting um is that you know the story of 2021, the beginning was supposed to be a Bitcoin story, right? We had MicroStrategy bought Bitcoin like last August. And then at the beginning of last year, Tesla bought some Bitcoin and put it on the balance sheet. And all anyone was talking about at the beginning of 2021 was going to be the institutional adoption of Bitcoin. And that narrative is, I'm not going to say it's dead, but it's been wildly overshadowed by everything else that's happening in the industry. And that's not something that I would have predicted coming in coming into the year. The narrative was Bitcoin. And what it's actually become is instead of institutions buying Bitcoin and putting it on their balance sheet, which now kind of sounds boring, right? We all cheer it, but it sounds boring. It's been institutional money flowing into the picks and shovels and investing in all the new protocols and ideas. That's where the money's going, right? I mean, the money is just not going into Bitcoin. There's nothing that that's not a bad thing. I think that that will still continue to happen. But, you know, while Bitcoin has basically, you know, it was $42,000 on uh, January 8th of 2021, it was $42,000 on January 8th of uh, 2022. Think about what's happened in that time, right, in, in the rest of the space. And I think that it was surprising to me. And I think that that's just going to be a sort of continued trend. And like you said, I mean, you, and what I find really interesting, and I was saying this, you know, eight, nine months ago, and people, you know, like uh, I did an interview with Business Insider or something. They're like, you know, what, how would you approach this space now if you were new and you wanted like exposure to the innovation? Like what metaverse would you buy? What NFT would you buy? And I was like, I would just buy all the layer ones. Just like split, yeah. take, take your favorite five or 10 and split your money across all of them and just wait. Because, you know, if you buy the layer ones, you get the benefit of that huge NFT project or that huge metaverse project, that huge DeFi project that's being built on that chain. And like, for example, you know, you had this first sort of layer one V1 wave, right? Where you had the Ethereum and Solana avalanche, whatever, maybe Cardano's first run you count. And now you're sort of seeing like the V2, right? Solana, those are kind of like now seeing their retrace. You're seeing Near and Phantom yep. and all of these sort of ha having their moment. And to me, it's like the most obvious trade there is. Because, I mean, even, you know, like you talk about scaling and stuff. Polygon, you know, which is like fast and cheap, one 
NFT, major NFT project, but block that whole chain up, <laughs> you know? So it's just incredible to see how fast it's moving, how fast they're going to have to scale. And then when they don't, how quickly you move on to the next sort of protocol. Yeah, the, the, the community is impatient. They want, they want what's going to take 10 years to build tomorrow um, every day. But I have a question for you, Alon, because I, I consider you one of the like earliest people that were so bullish on NFTs that I know. Like you were way early, and I, you you went through last year. And what do you see? Like, what are you excited about? You know, what's crazy is that there's things that happened in the NFT space that because we went through 2016, 17, 18, I should have seen from a mile away, right? Like. Like even like I, I use like use my ape as an example, right? I didn't get an ape at the beginning. I hadn't heard of it. A lot of the people who got into apes were like sneaker heads and people that weren't really traditional NFT people and stuff like that. But like it was cool. And I saw it and I went, oh, it's too late. It already hit like an ETH. And by the time I buy one, it's going to dump. Who knows? Like I just didn't pay attention to it. And, and Jason, uh, the hustle house on Twitter, everyone's uh, seen him on here now and stuff. Jason, uh, this is Jason, Jason's ape. So he, you know, that, that's Jason. So Jason, the ape uh, is calling me up and texting me going, bro, you got to buy an ape. You got to buy an ape. And I'm watching it get to two, get to three. And I'm like, this is crazy. But I see everyone getting excited about it. And so at a certain point, somewhere around like four ETH or something, I buy one. And I think it's the dumbest thing I ever do. And every time I've ever done that in crypto, it's like, it's like, it's, I something's going to happen. Like it either it'll dump or it'll go like a hundred X or whatever. And it went crazy. And I was like, why did I only buy one? Like, because I, I, I should have learned from all the times that when the hype and the craziness gets so wild or a certain escape velocity happens or, or, or whatever, I should at least buy a couple. And what's funny about NFTs, at least for me, is there's like an emotional attachment to it because I like used my ape as my avatar and whatever. And at a certain point, I feel like a sellout if I were to sell it. And so now I like feel like I'm keeping punk ape strong forever. He's my guy. And uh, I've got a you know, benefit from him in other ways, like the IP you can get and things like that, which I think is going to be the next big trend um, that lasts beyond the, the, the hype um, in, in different ways. But, you know, it's it's fun to see everyone catch up. But it's also like in hindsight, you look at it and go like, why didn't I do so much more? Why didn't I do that? It's it's it's, it's, it's the same thing a, every time. Right. Such a crypto story, though. Right. Every single person who entered crypto and not only like the first time you bought Bitcoin, but the first time you did anything, you always feel like you're late. Yeah. Right. Like you got I, I know guys yep. who like bought their first Bitcoin in 2012. And they're like, I hate those 2010 guys. They were so yeah. early, uh, yeah. you know, and yeah. like now, yeah. now you look back, you're like, my God, I would kill to have Dude. found out about that Bitcoin 2012. In 2013, we built a mining rig in our office. We were doing a business for crowdfunding and we thought maybe we could use crypto for micro payments and microtransactions because we couldn't do like $1, $5 transactions cheaply um, on the Visa network for crowdfunding sites and things like that. So we built a mining rig. We experimented with some Bitcoin and stuff like that. And we're like, power's too expensive to mine Bitcoin at whatever 2013 Bitcoin price was. Like, 
this is dumb, right? And like we got our uh, our landlord brought us the power bill for the whole office complex, which was more than our rent. And he's like, this is all you guys, whatever you're doing in this crazy little mop closet of an office, stop right now. And so we turned off the mining rig and kind of forgot about it after we mined like three or four Bitcoin or something, right? Like, and then uh, forgot about it and, and then, uh, you know, came back to it a few years later. But back then we felt like it was too late. It was too expensive, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Exponential that, thinking is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard. But the thing with NFTs that I'm getting excited about is the gaming aspect, the metaverse aspect. Like it was cool. And I did get to use, um, uh, I got to use Polygon for it. I minted, you know, like 4,000 hats for Decentraland, for Decentraland. And I was able to airdrop them to, boring stone holders and, and blockchain booze attendees and people like that. And, you know, it was pretty damn cheap with a few hundred bucks. Like think about if you wanted to make a few thousand of something else and send it to a few thousand people, a few hundred bucks, no big deal. Um, uh, and I think that there's going to be some really cool things. I even was talking to, to, to the guys uh, yesterday about vinyl records and how when I was a punk rocker in high school and right after we'd, we'd actually make CDs and make vinyl records. And it's really not that expensive. And I was like, we could totally do something like crazy and do like a merch drop where everyone gets a vinyl record or, or something like that. And really like release some music, do something. But like, that's just one weird, random, crazy idea off my head. Like John, your kids or people playing games and doing different things. Like there's going to be so many ways to utilize this. And it goes beyond just normal crypto tokens because of the unique aspect of it because of the the kind of utility parts that you can you can add to it that i think make it uh, way more gamified way more collectible way more interesting to like maybe the mainstream audience as a use case for crypto so i don't know i think you know because when we started like i think a few couple years ago i was trying to convince joseph nfts were cool and we minted one on an airplane while we were flying to a conference together. And that was part of the challenge. Like, can I do it on mobile, on my phone, on the crappy internet connection? I was able to do it. And like, that was cool. But we, I didn't imagine it would turn into real cool collectibles anytime soon. Um, but we also have COVID to, to thank for accelerating us by like 10 years in this space. Um, yeah, but, but I would I know, never you know, imagine we'd be seeing it on Saturday Night Live in 2021. Right. You know, like, I mean, that was so, and, and, and what's crazy is like, you know, you're early and a lot of people in the space. I mean, I was excited about NFTs, but not about cartoons, like about like transferring my car title from like myself yeah, to someone else, exactly. right? The other, like the boring use cases of NFTs. <laughs> I sort of missed the uh, JPEG craze to some degree. I just didn't get it, you know, and I should have. Um, well, yeah, especially but, as a collector of baseball cards and things like that. Yeah, but I was, but yeah, like, it was the same thing. I was like, shot, it's just going to be like your bank shot. card. Yeah, like I sh exactly, but you know, like top shots would really sent it almost, you know, and then people, of course, but like I feel like it happened in a month. It was like zero to Saturday Night Live in like five weeks. Yeah, I think it's, it's really the absurdity nuts. too, you know, like I, I made Punk Apestrong makes really uh, uh, ridiculous, funny songs, and I made a song when Jimmy Fallon uh, bought his ape, and it was like this funny thing because I have cartoons of Punk Apestrong, like he's animated and he's singing a silly song that I write in like five minutes, 
but I made the mistake of mentioning that Jimmy Fallon spent like 300 grand on his aim or whatever it was, 200 something grand. I went, oh, he's never going to put this on TV now because he looks like it's, it's absurd. Looks Part nice. of yeah. why everyone wants to talk about it is the absurdity of it, right? Like it is fucking insane. Like it is. <laughs> I've been, I've, I've never bought one. Right. And I've been tempted on so many occasions. It's sort of like you said, and now I'm like, I'm not buying, like, I'm not yeah. buying one with $250,000 ape. It yeah. could go to $2 for all I know. Come on, man. You know, like yeah. at least when you it was, lost like two grand. When it was 50 grand, a good friend of mine, who's an OG crypto dude, who is clearly smarter than me was like, if I'm buying in at 50 grand, I'm buying like eight of them. And I was like, you're insane. Like you are nuts. This could be top right now. And he's like, no, it's not. And he literally like by two weeks later, he had sold like three of them and made profit on all of them. And then he held like one or two and then he goofed around with the other ones. Like, but it's, it's insanity. Like, uh, (laughs) you know what, you know, what's interesting now is it's like, like we just did that documentary on board breakfast club and it's a, you know, there's the coffee subscription and it generates an NFT. Do you, do you have one? I know you I'm got gonna, one. I'm going to load one up because yeah. uh, I don't know if you knew, know this. I think you do, but um, uh, give me a second. You keep talking about it and I'll. I'll yeah, but I, I mean, I, you, you see all those offshoots coming out of NFTs and I, it, it, it's interesting to me. I kind of feel like this started with Dogecoin in a non-NFT sort of way where the community just drives something where basically everyone's just trash talking. This is nonsense. This is nothing. It was created in 10 minutes. The, the whole narratives, you know, you know, all the negative narratives against all the meme coins. Yeah. And yet somehow, some way, when you get a community together, you can actually, you know, build stuff. You can actually like get partnerships, build applications. It goes from hatred to useful. If the community takes hold of something, if they, if they latch onto that idea, Versus um, there's so many projects that say they do the same thing, different chain, same thing, yeah. another chain, same thing. And it's really hard to create that community at scale and get them to be engaged. And I think that's, that's where, you know, you look at, you know, board apes, you look at lots of these major NFT collections out there. And it's like, it's, it's just, you, you got to wonder what happens now because well, you know, how many people are talking about the, the board apes, the mutant apes, the, the, the kennel club, all, all these things together. And, and you got to wonder, you know, what, what comes next. And, and to me, it might sound far out. I actually think some of these things are the, the fundamentally like the biggest threat to companies like Facebook that there is, because these communities on their own can, can end up building their own community and, and your, your act, your login is the thing you're holding in your wallet and it's not your personal information anymore. And so it, it becomes really um, sort of interesting when this stuff goes further as that community, which also has developers in it, which, which are going to build things. And they also have people that like can make clothes, can, well, cre- can, can set they, up events. They, like, and they, the fact that the thing, one of the things that set them apart as a community to use board apes as an example is that, they're the first ones in a real way to say you own the IP of your ape. And I thought it was kind of bull at first, but even if bullshit is, can you guys see me? You're pros for me. I hear something, but I don't see something. I see this. <laughs> we should all do it. Wait, that's it. 
<laughs> Wrong side. Yeah. Wait, you're back, Alon. Backish. Sort of. Hmm. I agree, though, with the eye piece, but where he was about to go with that. You know, I, I mean, obviously, like you see Universal Music signing a band full of boarding. Right. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. Yep. Sorry about that. Um, I'm switched to my hotspot now. Fucking internet, man. <laughs> oh, I apologize. So what, what I was going to say is one of the things that Bored Apes did is they said the, the thing about the, the IP ownership. And I thought it was bullshit at first. But what it did was it encouraged creators, either developers, artists, people. It, they planted the seed that like you should do something more with this ape other than just hold it in your wallet. And then, you know, John is talking about Board Breakfast Clubs, a great example. Has nothing, there's a coffee company, right? But they liked apes and they thought, let's create a derivative, right? Let's create another collection that, that engages that community that does something cool. And cut to, here's, here's one of mine, Board Breakfast Clubs. There's a magazine on the table, a Boring Stone magazine with Punk Ape Strong on it. See how John was just about to get on screen and I dropped this guy on his face? Um, appreciate that but, but how 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 rad is that right like that's that's pretty cool so it's like it's an nft within an oh. nft a, a collaboration between two communities with a third community dropped into it and and all of this stuff is enabled by people's creativity and people's willingness to work together and do cool things and it's like this venn diagram of cool cool projects uh, coming together and doing something interesting. And I, I think, I think you're totally right, John. I mean, one of the reasons I fell in love with, with Lunar Crush right from the beginning is because you explained to me how sort of crypto doesn't exist without community. Like these, these memes cannot exist without, without community, without life. Right. And you created ways to measure that, but I, you know, it's it's just so 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 interesting uh, how it, how it's being enabled in, in these communities. I'll, I'll 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 give you some alpha leak here. Wait till you see what we do with NFTs. Ooh, I I literally almost tweeted earlier today if somebody in the Zill community uh, could help me uh, do a drop to users of a particular product. <laughs> so and so it's interesting too because like you know we. We, we, yes, we're on, we're on Zill, but we've bridged to Ethereum. We're going to do a bunch of other bridges in the future. And, and we look at this kind of ecosystem as like this interoperable thing. And that's another huge thing that we haven't touched on. But like this whole interoperability, I mean, this wasn't a discussion a year ago. It was like, what chain are you building on? And it was like too crazy to use these bridges. And, and then now it's like, again, another trend. Imagine a year from now. We're not even going to talk about it. It's just going to be like a button somewhere and, or you won't even notice it. You'll use a Dex and it just kind of swaps to this and this and this and back. And then you, you just don't notice it. It doesn't matter. And so like liquidity matters. It, you're right. It doesn't. Liquidity is what matters. And if you could go cross chain, cross Dex, it's, it's, there's already like, there's a product called Genie now on, on Ethereum. It really only goes between like, to uh, marketplaces, but you can trade, and it's all on Ethereum. But you could trade your NFTs for the best prices across a couple marketplaces. Soon, a few more, right? But what happens when they start going cross decks? What happens when I wrap my um, my board ape onto Tezos, which you could do, but then there's no marketplace on Tezos to actually sell it. It's pointless. But what happens when I can use that Dex 
and they'll route the sale to my ape over another ape because it's going to save $200 in gas, right? So all of a sudden there's $200 more in value you can get from that, from that thing. And it's going to happen more and more. I mean, I joked when the gap said they were launching NFTs, I kind of laughed because <laughs> like, who thinks the gap is actually cool? Maybe there is a community of people who thinks the gap is cool, but like fucking adidas dropped nfts that was fucking rad like that was really cool but the gap maybe i'm just like totally out of touch right but but the gap they did it on tezos they sold out of everything right and and in the eyes of most og older people that are investing in the space they're like oh tezos you know like like tezos never pumped never did anything it's kind of just stayed steady right and whatever but but they're killing it in the nft space absolutely killing it. Um, and it's growing like wildfire and it's just a matter of time, right? Like if, um, it, so it's, it's just really interesting because it's all about this sort of use case, the user experience more than it is, um, anything else. Right. So, so Alon, what do you, what do you think about like, when you, when you think about user experience, you know, we, we've seen like, man, I I'd love to see a picture of a, I'll look on the Wayback machine or whatever, like a year ago, what did OpenSea look like versus today? And and like we're sitting here at the dawn of like, you know, here comes Coinbase with their NFT yep. platform uh, yep. marketplace. Um, here comes, you know, the crypto.com is that major player, like NFTs there. Like there's gonna be many, many different marketplaces for NFTs. And I it's like I, I wonder what happens here because like is there now arbitrage opportunities or things like that? Is there are there Dude, so people, people market think, makers? I think like, yeah, I think it's going to look just like crypto trading, honestly, yeah. on the back end. I do, yeah. So well, NFT laugh. market makers all over the place. Well, there's there's already like people going, hey, go go double check that you didn't accidentally list your uh, your ape on Rarible a year ago at some like as a joke at a hundred ETH because like you're going to accidentally sell your thing because that's like I've done that before. Not I've never been you know, that lucky, but like you get an NFT. And as a joke, I like list one of them for 69 ETH or something stupid as a joke. Right. And then, uh, and then people are talking now they're like accidentally selling their apes because they did shit like that. Never thinking it could ever in a million years actually get to that price. Right. But people, but people are finding arbitrage opportunities going, Holy shit. The floor on apes is, you know, uh, I'm just making up a, uh, <laughs> somebody just noticed that my, uh, my moon boy, my lunar crush loon boy is listed for 999,999 ETH. Um, that's a lot. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's a lunar crush moon boy. I mean, that's, it's going to go one day for that price and I'll buy a small Island and invite you all to join me. Um, so, but, but guys, yeah, let's, <laughs> It, there are already arbitrage opportunities and it's fast enough. It's slow enough for people to actually take advantage of them. Like th there was a time in crypto where you could do that too. Like buy on Uniswap, sell on uh, IDEX, right? And you would make money, like literally just bouncing between the websites. Uh, yeah. um, and then, and then total launched and other DEX aggregators kind of copied and then it was, uh, it, it all happened, right? <laughs> You're in the you were in the matrix exactly. there for like ten seconds. That was cool. You were like operating that. at different speed than us. It was very cool. I think I saw some bullets flying past your face. So, guys, I should. We got like ten minutes left. Uh, can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, there's a little delay.
it takes a second for you to respond to me. It's kind of funny. Um, I'm gonna jump into the QA really quick and see if there's uh, see if there's some questions. This is this is an interesting one actually, and I think that um, uh, I'll point it at you, John. But I think I've got another one uh, for you, Scott, right after. But but it, they're asking me. We we were talking earlier about location not mattering anymore. John, you're hiring uh, like crazy at Lunar Crush. Um, Somebody asked, should we pay a developer in Ukraine the same as somebody in the Valley? Um, what does location matter? Does what you pay them kind of matter? What do you think? As somebody who's hiring, I know many, many people right now. So let's see. In the last, I don't know, six months, we've hired people in, in Chile, in Kenya, in all over the United States, different states all over. Um, we currently have no office. Although now we're, I think we're up to 18 or 19 or something people. And so now we're, some of us are kind of within driving distance. And so we're talking about, do we get like a space to meet at every now and then? Um, it's all virtual. You could just I think drive you have to ask your, here and go on a hike with me. I'd love that, man. Let's do that. Let's go. I want to go see your, uh, your, your, your plot of land that you bought in the metaverse. I want to go hike up to it. Um, Superworld. I, yeah. And Superworld. Uh, awesome app. Um, I think the thing you have to ask though, is like, what are they doing? You know, like if it's someone that's like, um, say, a designer that you want to be like meeting with a lot, you have to ask yourself, do you want to be on Zoom with them for six, seven hours at a time sometimes? Um, and if it's a developer, do you trust them? Are they going to have your, your, your keys to your wallets and things like that? Um, you know, custody is a real thing to discuss. Um, and you can outsource front end web development, but you probably don't want someone having your keys. So I, I think you have to think like about that kind of outsourcing. Um, and also the other thing I'll say is like, you're going to have to make some compromises too. We all want people that, you know, have been in, in this industry and as great as Scott is, as an example here, but you're, you're not going to find them. You're not going to find them and you're not going to find them when you need them. So you have to look for people that kind of have that drive that want to learn. Um, for example, we just hired someone that's a product manager that has like 15 years of user experience. Phenomenal, like amazing. And they can help with UX and product management. They relied on product management. They, they're a crypto trader, but they haven't built in crypto. Yeah. And so like they, there's, there's just trade-offs you have to make. And I think it's, it's um, you know, if, if everyone's excited, you just sort, sort of make it happen, you know? Um, but yeah, care, careful on outsourcing so far and, and just make sure you trust people. Yeah, I, we, we just hired uh, somebody um, in uh, for DGH who's, uh, who is um, in uh, um, uh, brain fart in Bangladesh, I think. Um, and it's like, it's, it's really awesome that we literally have Macedonia um, there, Florida, and, and out here in California, and Joseph's in Dubai now, of all places, right? Like, we're literally not one single person, like, within a, like the closest to each other is a five hour flight. Um, it, it's pretty great. So Me Scott, meetings um, tough in that environment though. Right. I mean, like time zones matter. Like when do you yeah, meet it, and like talk and it's hard. There is, there, there are, there are some issues and kind of learning curve stuff, but um, you know, it's early morning and, and, uh, and, you know, and nights, depending on the person, right? And like, we, we kind of take turns and do that stuff. And I think we're all used to that in the crypto space, but you have to make sure you hire someone who's cool with that and used to it too. 
Um, cause otherwise it, it, you can't hire somebody who's used to nine to five job type stuff and clocks in and clocks out. And that doesn't really work in this space, but you have to be flexible too, as an employer to know, like in the middle of the day, they're going to take a few hours to like go with their kids to the park or something, because like you're online at nine o'clock at night too. Like you gotta be uh, respectful. Uh, so it's, um, it's it's just the way the way you got to do it. I've got a question uh, for Scott before we finish up because I think this is a topic we, we just lightly touched on. But Scott has a unique uh, background, you know, as as a DJ and, and a performer, right? And I would love to. And you do your YouTube uh, channel and your your podcast and everything, so you're creating content constantly. How do you um, you know? Do you feel like the metaverse is, is going to replace and virtual events are going to replace some of that in-person stuff. Do you feel like the experiences are comparable? Or are they just different things that we're going to do differently? I, I would like to think they're different things and that there's something special about, you know, sharing an ex- experience in person, but like, maybe that's just like, I'm a boomer, man, you know, like maybe all, you know, maybe I also think rap music was better in the 90s because I grew up in the 90s and maybe it's not better, but it is, right? And so uh, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm already the old guy, you know, and, and already I, I like, I see even at the end of my career it was like all about the picture you were taking and the selfie at the party and nobody was really enjoying the moment while they were there. So I think that transition happened long before the metaverse. I mean, you guys, I, I know can sort of had similar experiences like we didn't have phones if we did you didn't even care or bring it like you went to a party a a club a concert and you were there with your friends completely engaged in the moment and that's not maybe that does exist for these kids or in a different way but i i mean i think the metaverse is amazing i think especially in context of covid depending on what happens and just sort of the way the world has become that it will be an incredible experience, but it will never replicate sweating in a concert with, you know, tens of thousands of people in my mind, you know, in my mind. That said, like, you know, every night I go put on an Oculus and I like fight people, you know, and I think that's (laughs) awesome. And uh, that's better than getting actually punched in the face. So there are, you know, superior sort of versions of it. But, um, you know, listen, I think, I think what's going to be really interesting is not what the people who love performing live do with the metaverse. It's going to be the people who develop metaverse artists that never perform live anywhere. When your board eight becomes a legitimate celebrity. Right. And that was was the whole, yeah, that, that was the joke that we, I created him. And I was thinking, you know, I'll use this as an example because when I, when I decided to do, I was calling people going, Let's buy some apes. Let's buy some lazy lions, whatever the hell, like let's buy some fame lady squads. Let's go like find some young artists. Like I know a bunch of really young, like, or not young anymore, but punk rockers that I grew up with that are just killer musicians, great people. I know some DJs some people like, what if we just make a character? Let's create a record label. Let's create like a modern yeah. gorillas. And then like a couple months later, all of these groups are starting to do those kind of things. Right. But it's yeah. It's so true. I think that's the more interesting story. Is like, I don't, I don't think we need to replicate what's amazing in the real world in the metaverse. I think we can create completely new things that are amazing in their own right. And and I'm not saying that like, it's not cool to go to like a 
post Malone concert in Fortnite or, you know, whatever they've done or Travis Scott or whatever it is, but like, <laughs> it's a pre-recorded thing. You know, it's not, the, it's not the same. It's not the same. You know, you're, Ozzy Osbourne's not going to bite that head off that bat live, you know, in the, uh, in the, in the metaverse. You, you need those moments. I think, like I said, I know I sound old, but like, I think that uh, they can both be special in their own ways without, it doesn't, everything's not that black and white anyways, right? Like, yeah. it just doesn't, it's not one or the other. They're both great. They'll both be great, you know, experiences. But like, God forbid, I never go to a concert again because everyone's performing in the metaverse instead. Yeah, that would, that would make me cry. Um, so, but it's, but it's a totally, it's a totally different experience. And, and that's also, I guess, where really, really great technologists and really, really great artists kind of do do their best. There's so many people who want to do derivative works, right? Like, and and when I say that, it's like back in the day, let's say 15 years ago or 10 years ago, you'd go to uh, startup pitch competitions, and they'd be like, "We're the we're the Uber of X. We're the Airbnb for X." And it's like, oh, yep. can't you think of something original and? Like, I think you're absolutely right. Like, we're trying to go like, man, I, it would be cool to see bad religion in the metaverse. But would it? I actually spend more time watching, looking for random people doing like cover versions of bad religion songs on YouTube than I do watching bad religion videos. I've reached peak sure, saturation. Exactly. I've watched all the videos. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I want something new. Yeah. Um, and I, so I agree. it's it's uh, uh you're absolutely right so we're we're out of time but i want to tell people um if you are watching on one of the streams which i know there's a lot of you i'm seeing the numbers go to meet.blockchainbooze.io if you want to turn on your camera in a minute and hang out with the community um otherwise we'll we'll see it we'll see you next week but scott john i want each of you to give us a, a plug of where the best place to follow you is um uh and uh and um <laughs> chad just by the way chad said ape band covering bad religion um you know punk ape strong is a former member of board religion and um the ceo of apitaph records um just want to let you know Epitaph. um <laughs> sorry uh, by the way my one of my favorite things that ever happened and I clearly get so much joy out of things that, that clearly don't make me money, but are just for fun. Um, Brett Gurowitz, the actual founder of Epitaph Records and the, one of the original members of Bad Religion, retweeted that joke when uh, Punk Ape Strong shared it, um, which made me so happy. Um, but Scott, where is the, where is the best place to, to follow you? And um, where should we, uh, we should all be subscribing to the Wolf of All Streets podcast, right? Yeah, man. Honestly, everything, uh, everything branches out from Twitter. So just at Scott Melker on Twitter and you can basically find everything. Check out the Wolf of All Streets.io also has links to podcast and YouTube and everything, but it all starts at, at Twitter. You'll find it all there for sure. Love it. And John, where's the best place to follow you and Lunar Crush? Uh, that would be just Lunar Crush on Twitter. L-U-N-A-R-C-R-U-S-H. There you go. Oh, I like that title sponsor. <laughs> Um, I had that crush.com a long time ago. <laughs> Love it. Um, and lunarcrush.com. Um, that's pretty much where you'll see us posting all sorts of social insights all the time and all sorts of uh, fun stuff like these, these live streams. Um, and I just want to, I want to uh, invite you guys because I, I hear in a few months, there's a no effects show. Um, I got a, I got a, a message today, but no effects, the gimme gimme's the bouncing souls lag wagon. 
They're all I, I got so excited really because yeah, no effects and bouncing souls and me first and the gimme gimme. My friend who's not as into punk rock as I am reminded me that he I convinced him to go see this band called Me First and the Gimme Gimme's at the Roxy in Hollywood when we were like 18 years old or so. And when we got out of the concert, my car was gone because I parked in some zone and we spent till like five in the morning that night trying to locate my car and the impound lot and all sorts of fun stuff. And it was, oh, it wasn't my car. It was my mom's car. So we had to find, wow. get it, raise the money from each other, like figure out how to get it out of the impound lot, it, like flashback. So I just got that flyer too. I think it's happening near you, right? So are we going? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Saw, and that yeah, sounds like a great a night. Times. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> So sounds good to me. My hometown, um, <laughs> we had less than Jake. That was like our kind of whatever. Yeah. Yeah, we had less than Jake. Nice. Yeah. Heck yeah. No, Gainesville, Florida is the spot. I think that's where uh again yeah. me. Yeah, that's where I grew up. Yeah. Tom Tom Petty, Bo Diddley. Yeah, less than Jake. Yeah. This these, this was a fake flyer from one of Punk Ape Strong's show against Meme, the Boring Souls, and uh, Ape Turner uh, at the Truba board. Uh, <laughs> oh man. All right, guys. Hey, thank you. Thank you so, so thank much. I know it's late. Uh, I appreciate your, your time. Um, and and, I, and I, I hope to have you guys back um, again. Anytime. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And I'll see you guys at the uh, tables backstage in, uh, in a few minutes. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Thank you. Cool.